you know so there's so many channels to reach people now um the, the one advantage sponsorship has is that it has the opportunity to actually get to people where they're passionate about something and that for me is the key that's the golden nugget about sponsorship so and sport and and any other type of sponsorship that one enters in it's about attacking people's passions you're listening to the match kit cast with me ben karpinski bringing you closer to the athletes of the match kit platform and the business of sport all right, welcome to another episode of the Match Kit Cast. We're doing something a little bit different as we obviously progress as a company with Match Kit. Obviously, we're going to keep profiling our amazing athletes on the platform. But what I kind of want to get into as well is the sort of background of sports and the business of sports in particular. You know, everyone talks about COVID. Everyone talks about new normals. Everyone talks about how the sporting industry will never be the same again. And I personally don't like those comments because they're just open-ended everyone's picking them out of the air right now it's clickbaity kind of stuff i want to know why and not only that i want to know how we can move forward how we can get better and today's guest is Saseki at swing now Saseki, you are the managing director of open field marketing good there thank you for joining me today thanks ben thanks for having me i'm really happy to be here so you're the kind of mind that i want to pick uh you're the first person in the series of kind of uh, people in this in the regard now, you are currently at the end of Open Field Marketing. Tell us a bit more about your background and how you got into sports. Well, Ben, I mean, I've been playing sports since I was, what, three years old. Um, my main sport as a child was always soccer. Um, but as I grew older, got got exposed to more sports and um, I fell, I would say, in love with cricket and, and rugby more. So, interestingly, rugby is my favorite sport, um, but cricket was my best sport. So, um, and, and soccer was just something you're really good at. Is that how the no, it was just something I, I, yeah, something I knew, I guess. You, you know, um, you never, when you're a child from the township, you never really you can't get out of the township without playing soccer. So, sure. so it was cool, but I dropped soccer when I was about 15, 16, um, and, and really took cricket more seriously. So, you know, I was a provincial schoolboy player and all of that. And, um, but having said that, it was never really something that I wanted to do or something that my parents encouraged me to do. So, so I always looked at how do you, um, what's going to be life after, after high school and, and after cricket. But I always stayed passionate about sports in general, always followed and all of that. So when the opportunity first came, um, I joined EXP, mm-hmm. which is a sponsorship agency based in four ways. Um, I was there for about seven years, seven and a half years, uh, and and during my time there, I really became a soccer expert. So I ran, um, I did the MTN eight as a start, and then I ran the Absa Premiership for about five years. Um, we also managed the Bafana property for both Castle and Absa. So I really was big into soccer. Um, but when the opportunity came to join Open Field, it came in the rugby side, which I was really excited for. So, so I managed all of Vodacom's um, rugby portfolios when I got to Open Field four years ago. Um, and I guess the journey just grew and grew uh, to two years ago when I became the MD. So it's been fun, a hard, a hard journey. It's been a big baptism of, uh, what do they call it? Battles of fire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's not even hard enough for where we are right now, though, as a two. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's been it's been an amazing learning curve, and um, as as my chairman said to me when this when this COVID mess started, he said, "Don't never waste a good crisis." And you know, really, that's that's been. 
the my motto going forward for the whole company for us and even as an industry you know it's it's really not just about um us as open field we all need to be together i, I i'm a strong believer in collaboration i'm a strong believer in keeping the industry high because if one person messes up then it messes up for all of us you know completely yeah so okay so young man accomplished beyond your years from where i see now uh before the whole COVID thing, so let's actually try to have this old normal conversation. Yeah. What were the things about sports sponsorship that in your career to this point have changed and you thought were kind of more positive changes? Because I think when we were a similar kind of age, I'm, I'm older than you, I know I am. Um, you know, growing up, there was only certain things you could do with sponsorship. You know, obviously the smartphone changed everything. The internet changed everything. Yeah. What were some of the kind of steps that, you know, as you were progressing your career, you felt the industry really did kind of well and, and changed with? Look, uh, I won't lie. I, I I believe that it's more progression rather than change. Um, everything, if you, if you actually think about, you know, I mean, from my time in the industry from 2008-9, when I look at the progression, it's always been there. Okay. You know, so like right now, big focus is, is on content. Um, a big focus is on making sure all properties are commercially viable, you know. But that's always been there. It's just that now there's a bigger emphasis on it. Um, and the reality... Uh, and I guess people can track it more as well. Correct. And I think people have a better understanding of what you can actually really do. Correct. Yeah. And technology has, has, has really helped us when it comes to that. It has helped us in connecting people, um, which I think is, is really the crux of what we're trying to do. Gone are the days where it's about how much branding you can put up or make the town red or, or whatever. It's, it's really how you connect with people because people have more options now. Um, back when, when, when the industry started out, it was really more about exposure and the hope that when people are exposed to, to the product or to the brand, they then gravitate towards that. But the reality is everybody's exposed to, I don't know, how many brands in a day. Well, we're kind of saturated in that respect, yeah. Big time, big time. And you can't control it because it's, it's from driving, it's from social media, it's from general internet, it's all these things that pop up, you know, so there's so many channels to reach people now. Um, the, the one advantage sponsorship has is that it has the opportunity to actually get to people where they're passionate about something. And that for me is the key. That's the golden nugget about sponsorship. So, and sport and, and any other type of sponsorship that one enters in, it's about attacking people's passions. It's a very interesting point that about it's going where people are and kind of living in that kind of place. And I think if you are in this industry and you have done something the last few years, it is a wonderful understanding that. Yeah. Now, with things being shaken up so much as they have been in the last six months, people are going to come to you for answers. People, your, your clients in particular, they're, yeah. they're the first people that want the answers. Yeah. Before we get into sort of the, the brand side of things, sports stars in general, uh, sporting teams, how they go about things. There's less money. There's no doubt about that. Just, just look at South Africa for an example before even thinking about the global thing. Yeah. There's less money in the mix. There's less chance of people being sponsored because that's the whole thing. You become a professional, you think sponsorship's going to kind of roll in yeah. because you're special. You are special, but there's also lots and lots of other special people there. Mm. What would you say if you were to say, like put together a basic workshop or, or sports people were to say to you, so say, okay, I... I want to do more and I want to be able to give more value for people, firstly, our current sponsors, secondly, attract more sponsors. What are the kind of key insights that maybe you could kind of give them to worry about, to kind of put into their sort of mix as a professional sports person? Yeah, so um, 
So we, we, we are fortunate enough to manage Kakisorabada uh, and, and Lungingiri. And one of the things that we always say to them is, let you take care of the field. We'll take care of everything else, right? And I know a lot of their coaches also say the same thing to them. Play well, perform well, and everything else will come. But the reality is it's not, it's not necessarily true. Um, I think what athletes need to focus on is exactly the same thing that a brand would focus on, a connection. You know, so it's, it's far easier, even for the athletes, even for the brands, to do something when there's synergies, when there's passion into it. You yeah. know, all sincerity thing comes through. 100%. Yeah. And that's what you sell to people. You know, that's what makes you attractive as a, as a, as a property to, to, to manage because that's what you are. You're a brand at the end of the day. So for me, the big thing that I always push when it comes to that is let's first find out what you're passionate about and then try work around that. And I think, you know, as, as with, with that saying about you'll never work a day in your life, um, it's exactly the same thing. If you're passionate about something and you can find somebody who will follow that passion with you, then you're fine. And I think that's the focus. But it's such a difficult thing sometimes if you're up and coming. I mean, you just mentioned two of South Africa's greatest cricketing prospects, basically, not just because of um, you know the, the fact they're still young, they've got so much talent. Yeah, they've proven themselves already. Okay, yeah. it's such a difficult thing to tell someone who's kind of up and coming, um, not entirely sure with themselves just yet, to kind of try to be more sincere on their personal route. But I guess um, you know, and I agree with you. There's no other way to it. You've got to actually just have faith in yourself to say. You've got to be who you are. You've yeah. got to find that person just like as a brand because brands can't have different strategies every single year. Correct. Can you imagine you managing a brand and then by June they come to you and say, actually, we want to go a whole different direction. And it happens, eh? <laughs> I'm sure it does. It might happen for certain reasons, but yeah. I mean, if you want consistency, which is what it always comes down to, you have to have that sort of plan. From you know, another thing that I obviously admire about Open Field, you know, South African sports industry is relatively small. But then again, I think all industries that are focused on one thing are pretty small. Mm. Um, you guys have put a lot of in, um, emphasis on digital content creation, uh, yeah. being an, firstly understanding where you are in that and secondly, the implementation of that. Yeah. Um, again, going back to like a pre-COVID time where you could sort of forecast where your budgets are, um, you kind of know what you're going to do with every single client. What were some of the more exciting things that you, since your um, tenure at Openfield as MD, um, have happened that you were kind of particularly proud of? Well, I think you touched on it quite well. It's 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 the the development and the growth of of our content, digital, and social teams. You know, so we've been lucky in that um, a lot of our clients have have grown with us. You know, they've allowed us to explore the those those opportunities. You know, so every single thing that we do involves content at at least you know a social or a digital level, sometimes TV level. Um, Everything that we do, we try and make sure that it can fit, you know, again, about connecting with people. So where are they going to consume it best? Most of the stuff right now that we, we do, we, we, we do it for social and for other digital platforms, you know. Um, so for me, that, that's been the most rewarding thing is to watch that division grow and how we incorporate um, all of that into every single campaign that we do. Would it be right to say that's, Good content creation, consistent content creation also helps brands grow. You know, in the past, if they were just doing conventional advertising, the billboards, radio, TV, yeah, there's only so much that they can do as far as where they're going as a brand. Hundred percent, it it does, and it and it um, it's also obvious because 
think in South Africa, about 70% of, of all people who own cell phones have smartphones. Right. You know, so that automatically says to you that one, they have the ability to consume your content, and two, if you make it good enough, people will spend the data. You know, a lot of, a lot of um, misconceptions are made about no people in mass don't necessarily consume internet; they hate data and all of that. But the reality is, if your content is good enough, they'll do it. So true. It's it's it's. We just have to serve enough good content, relevant content, for them. Kind of goes back to the um, the individual, the sporting athlete again. The more that they can kind of create that content and be really good about it, the more they can grow as a brand because exactly it is they're running parallel to each other. So the whole thing about COVID for me, um, I think for a lot of people as well, is that people don't like talking about it because there's so much uncertainty around it. Not only have we been just fed so much information, good or bad, whatever it is, it's a global pandemic. We're all in this together. Yeah. But I think the most difficult thing about the conversation is that none of us just really know. Yeah. I think 2020 has been a year where we've all had to sort of really sort of um, brace for the worst, which is kind of washing over us, so to speak. But the real problem is 2021 and I think beyond. Um, you're a person who understands the inner workings of a business through and through. So the pressure on is very much on you. <laughs> um, I, I just think to have I a want, very... I wonder why you think I want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you would have a lot more answers than, than your general sporting person that I speak to. Yeah. I think just to have a very sort of, um, I don't know, sort of like top line above, above all the noise kind of thought, my question to you would, would essentially be, what are the things that we should be focusing on because I mean, you know, life's about this whole controllables, control the controllables, yeah. and then you have less stress. Yeah. We, we, we're touching on some proverbs here from time to time. Um, what are the kind of controllables that we really should be focusing on in a 2021 where there will be less money? That is a given. Okay. So again, going back to take away the uncertainties. Yeah. There's less money next year. There's no doubt about that. But what are the things that say from your perspective are be really good advice for um, for and brands athletes, yeah. and of course athletes who are in the kind of space? Yeah, look, I think I think for me for athletes it's it's actually a bigger opportunity for them than it is for brands. Um, the reason I say that is because one you have you have people who are consuming more um, across South Africa. Data consumption has gone up sixty percent in in the last six months. Right. Wow. So. So that's a whole different behavioral change that is. Yeah, it is. It is. And and it's it's great. Yes, it is great for brands, but the reality is, you know, we have this pyramid that we work on which which speaks about um who do fans, sports fans particularly, um follow? Do they follow the team, do they follow the individual or do they follow the sport? And it's it's a simple pyramid. It's first the person. You know, we've seen how um like Sia Colisi, how his rise has been so immaculate, you know, since he took over from, uh, well, took over as Springbok captain, you know. Um, yes, a brand can jump onto that and and um, almost elevate him even more. But I, I, I think that he made a conscious decision to take control of his brand. And, and then that's how people come and they become attracted to you. So for me, my biggest advice is how do you look at now uh, and the next year as, as an opportunity for you to elevate your brand, your personal brand. And then I think, as you said, um, there will be less money in the world in the next couple of years. But the reality is if I'm a brand or a sponsor, yes, individuals are high risk because anything can happen. Um, but they're also high reward because they sit on top of that pyramid. 
sports fans follow people first. So if I'm an athlete, I will look at it and say, I don't need to. I don't need a brand to pay me the same amount that they would pay a, a club or another rights holder. But if I grow with this brand, you know, I mean, I mean sponsoring a person is probably I don't know twenty percent of what sponsoring an entire league or club or you know would be. So, you know, why wouldn't I approach brands and say, look? This is my interest. This is my passions. I think this speaks to you. The other thing is you got to research the companies. You very, know, very the, good the, point that, yeah. Yeah, the thing of spraying uh, and praying doesn't work. Look, imagine going to a job interview and not knowing the company you're talking to. Correct, yeah. correct. Or the person you're talking to. And it sure. has to be that specific, you know. If I'm a rugby player or a cricket player and the, the product or the brand that I'm approaching only care about rural areas it means i don't know what i'm talking about you know what i mean mm. because then it should be a soccer you know a soccer player who goes and approaches that brand those little niches are, are so important when approaching a person because that first impression yes they might know you as a big brand or on the sports field and all of that but that first impression you make is what convinces him to actually part with their money with you so so for me um, an athlete needs to focus on their own brand they need to understand what their passion is and they need to then look at how they commercialize themselves and approach partners. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really don't like using the word sponsor because it is a partnership. Everybody's gaining. Um, so they approach partners and they grow with those partners. It's a very good point that sponsorship in general always sounded so like one way. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I'm sponsoring you. Like, you know, you sponsor people to do something. Correct. It doesn't, you're right. Partnership is the only way we should restructure this going forward. Yeah. So, Seki, before you go, I've got to ask you one question. I'm asking you this more from a rugby perspective and a rugby person rather okay. than any of your company hats or brand hats or client hats on. The move north for SA Rugby. Just in closing, again, there's so much chitter chatter around all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's positive. I think there's a great growth opportunity. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I also think it's positive. Uh, the one thing that I that I've been, you know, the talk in the office has, has been about New Zealand. Um, they're really confident that they can do it by themselves, and and I think they're going to fail when it comes to that. I think totally agree with you. Yeah. Over the next couple of years, right now we're watching New Zealand rugby because they were the first to open, and there was still sure. interest, and we played against those guys, so we, we were following them. But in two years' time. We'll only care about the All Blacks. So I think they're making a big mistake. And it looks like in the media that they're the biggest stumbling block right now. Um, I always also say, only go where you want it. And I think the move up north, it helps us tremendously. I mean, think about the restrictions we had with the time. Yeah. Um, so a, a big brand in sport is Castle Lager, who did sponsor the Super, the Vodacom Super Rugby. But they can't advertise during a New Zealand or Australia rugby game because of the laws against um, advertising times. Mm -hmm. So now we're basically the same time zone, one and a one hour, two hour difference. Um, one that is positive. The flights are much easier, so the players will rest a bit more. So so yeah, and and, and I mean the pound doesn't hurt, mm -hmm. you know. So it will definitely be a, a positive move for SA rugby, I think. I'm pretty excited about that. Also, like the time zone, you can't get away from that. So I Correct. know we're going to be playing people in very muddy, horrible conditions, and 
like I, I just think it's one of those great things. It's if nothing else, it, it's a great change as far as we can focus on new things and we know where our direction is going. I think there's been a lot of people who've been disgruntled about what's happening with the whole Sansar thing. Yeah, um, a lot of fans feeling that you know we could do better, and also I I wouldn't mind seeing New Zealand's. Um, let's see how they go without us. Correct. I think I think they've they've had a good run. And there's no doubt about the fact that there's huge amounts of talent there. Uh, a different conversation maybe we can have in future is, I have a theory, controversial, that I think New Zealand rugby hasn't just shot themselves in the foot, but they're not going to be able to sustain what they've got. More and more kids aren't playing rugby like they used to. The rise of esport is obviously going to impact on every single sport. Yeah. But if you're a talented athlete and you're a physical specimen of a young man, you can play basketball nowadays. You yeah. can be an incredibly wealthy golfer. Um, yeah. There's NFL drafts that are going more global. I but think there's a lot of opportunity to play other sports as well. I completely agree. But the other thing that they also um, uh, underestimating is the travel opportunities that that rugby brought. Yeah, they can go over and and play Australia, but any youngster can go to Australia from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Whereas going to South Africa, it's a trip. It's it's something that nostalgia, the the stories that have been told over the years about the other big trips to South Africa. That plays a big part in 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 the psyche. I mean, I know I I would definitely be interested, sure. you know, if I was an up and coming, you know, just to be able to play Super Rugby um, in another country in another continent, you know, that eighteen hour flight or whatever. That's you know. So so yeah, I I, I honestly think three years next World Cup they're going to be in trouble. I think so too. Saseke on Twitter at Saseke. He is as interesting on there as he is in real life. Maybe slightly more <laughs> verbose. Great way of describing that. So if you want to catch more of him, follow him there. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate it. Are you an athlete looking to better commercialize your career? Visit matchkit.co and see what this unique sporting web builder can do for you.